So for podcast number two, here we go. You've got your usual clowns, Kelly from Plover I'm and Jane, the middle-aged goddess. I'm glad you added an S onto the end of that because I thought you were looking at me going usual clown. <laughs> we like to laugh. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Today we are joined by Joe Hanna from Hanna Aesthetics and Joe is our... I'm not going to explain you, Joe. <laughs> Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, hello, this is my first podcast, so um, please bear with me. Um, I own a cosmetic clinic uh, here in Mornington called Tanner Aesthetics and have been in the industry for 12 years now and kind of fell into it uh, from a background of pharmaceuticals when I went for a job with Allergan who do Botox and Juvederm. Basically, cosmetic injectables is made up of your anti-wrinkle treatments and your dermal fillers which volumize um, and do things like chip, chip, chips and leaks, uh, cheeks and lips. <laughs> <laughs> it's late in the week. <laughs> yes, so and some, some people do come into the clinic and say, I want Botox in my lips, and they actually mean they want dermal filler in their yeah. lips. So they, they do two different things. One stops, temporarily stops a muscle from contracting, that's your anti-wrinkle, and a dermal filler is a temporary volumization, so it fills deficits and those bags under your eyes and, mm. and replaces volume that naturally has been lost with age. So do you have a medical degree? Are you a nurse or...? No, I have a degree in glaciology, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the I love... low treatment <laughs> or...? I love icebergs and glaciers. So I don't have a medical degree, but my first job in the industry was actually teaching facial anatomy, facial aging, and training plastic surgeons, dermatologists, doctors and nurses in the techniques of, of cosmetic injectables. But really for me, anyone can stick a needle in a face. The real skill is in the facial assessment and understanding how each particular face is aging mm. and everybody is different. I always say it's a very fine line between looking really good and looking weird. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm very passionate that these treatments can make us look good and healthy, good for our age, mm. but we don't want to do things that make us look odd or overdone or slightly strange. What drives women, normal women who you see coming into the clinic to go from somebody who's not a Botox user and not interested in filler to becoming someone who, who does? You know, on average, it takes women 18 months thinking about this wow. before they step through the clinic doors. What they tell me is, you know, they're driving the kids to school and they look in the rear view mirror and they gasp and go, <gasps> You know, where's that frown come from? Um, why do people say I look tired? Why do they say I look angry? And I think people suddenly look in the mirror and feel that's not a reflection of, of how they really feel inside. And it's, it's just a confidence. It's, for me, it's about softening those areas that are detractors in your face. So mm -hmm. if you've got a very strong frown or dark circles under your eyes, they detract from the rest of the lovely face. And if we can just soften those areas, it gives a much more balanced and um, healthy look. I know younger women that mm. are like 26, yeah. 27 having that. Are you getting younger yeah. women in? It's certainly changed. You know, with a 22-year-old daughter, I'm acutely aware of, of how they're looking at themselves. Mm. And 
we in the industry we we hear this word preventative botox yes and now that's what they're is all that saying. a thing it is a thing and so the reason it's preventative is those lines you see in your frown and around your eyes they're caused by repetitive muscle movement so when we smile and we frown and we raise our eyebrows over time those static lines so those lines that are there all the time they're just from repetitive movement so if when you're younger you reduce the amount of times that muscle is moving mm. then you won't form those deeper set static lines later on in life so as the mother of a 22 year old here's the hard questions coming here comes pandora's box and the can of worms all being opened at once what is your stance on that on on whether young women are what's what's the link between their mental well-being and feeling like they need to or their mental well-being and trying to stop aging what's your take on that I think it's bigger than that. I think, you know, as the owner of a cosmetic clinic with a 22-year-old daughter, I am constantly worried about their generation and how they feel about themselves at this young age. And, you know, the last thing I want is for any of them to feel that they need or there is a social need for them to start doing these treatments. In the industry, we knew ten, when I started in 2010, it was kind of accepted that women started doing these treatments around the age of 42. Mm. That was kind of when, you know, we're in the middle of kids and feeling a little bit down about ourselves. You know, now the entry point is probably around 27. Do you find as well that psychologically this is helping people when they get it done? Like, are they looking at themselves going, I look happier, therefore I am happier? Without a doubt. (laughs) And you know what, that's... It, it's it's fascinating but I remember hearing early on this lady say to me when I'm not frowning my kids don't frown back at me they don't do that mimic behavior oh, wow. it's very very interesting but yes it it has a, a big impact on people's mental well-being and just feeling a little bit better about themselves what are the downsides uh, the downsides are once you've started doing it you generally want to keep doing them and that's a financial you know commitment um in terms of risk it you know it's probably one of the safest drugs on the market and what i always tell people is that um, these products the anti-wrinkle products are used extensively in therapeutic areas so children with cerebral palsy and spasticity have incredible doses of um, botulinum toxins to relax their muscles to enable them to walk Um, it's used in overactive bladder in migraines and the dosage used in these therapeutic indications is way way bigger than we ever use in the face and so we know that the clinical studies show that kids who've been using it for 10 years you know it's a safe drug there's no um, no adverse effects from that so you know it, it it is relatively out of all of them it's relatively risk-free and the worst that can happen is we have to put the product in the muscle itself that we want to stop moving and sometimes based on your anatomy it can a little bit of it can spread to an adjoining muscle and you might get a slight uh, droop in your eyelid that's you know that's not the injector's fault it's sometimes just your anatomy and that's about why we think it's so important to get you back at two weeks so we can learn from that and then we might need to tweak your dose the next time but you know we're all individual and all of our muscles are individual and that's why it's so important to have um, 
yeah, a treatment that's really specific to you. Yeah. This, is, this is really helping those who've been thinking about it for 18 months, like that lady yeah. there. She's still nervous to come and have it done. And she, Mel said to me, she just wants me to hold her hand. And then Mandy, my friend, said, well, Joe, you held my hand my first time. And I thought, maybe women just want someone to hold their hand while they're doing it. I went with my girlfriend. She really? rang me and she so said, maybe... can you come with me? Yes, and, went, and first sure. time I had okay. it, I went with a girlfriend. So I went in and sat there with her yeah. while she had So maybe time. we say... Plover will be there to hold your hand. <laughs> Maybe we provide hand holding yes. for you. But I'm happy to do that. There we go. Come in. Jane the middle-aged goddess yeah. will hold your, hold your hand. So that's your all of us. Which is ironic. You had somebody who yeah. held your hand. So all of us, first time, just wanted someone to be there when they had it. Because I would say it's the unknown. As with any treatment, it's the first time you have it done, you don't know will it hurt what to expect, will I be supported? And once they've had it done, they go, oh, that was so easy. It's just the unknown that first time. So, are you, you know how you, if you've got a psychologist or a psychiatrist friend, you're always wondering whether they're analyzing, analyzing you. you. Yeah, yeah. Are you the cosmetic aesthetics, ver- you know, version of a psychologist? When you look around, I uh, do you, this is maybe a little Excuse bit telling, Joe. Excuse me, what would you, what would you say to me? Have a look. Oh, I was going to say, was she looking at people like diagnosing what they had done? I used to, I used to do that a lot. When I was first training and we were analysing faces, I'd be sat on the train and I do sometimes sit, like I was on an aeroplane and this lady walked down the aeroplane aisle and I went, oh. You need this, 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 and this. And I thought, no, no, no. <laughs> that was in the early days, and I really don't now because people talk to me and think I'm analysing them, and I, I don't unless I'm asked. What about? I did mention this last <clears throat> week. I said I was asking for a friend about the turkey neck <laughs> as I'm holding mine. <laughs> Necks, I think, are what age us the most because there's yeah. very little that can be done, and uh, you know, I really we've gone in the old days. Facelifts were the only option. But what you do is literally stretch the skin over your mm. framework. And so you'd be left with this taut face. And do people have facelifts? They, they do, but, but this has really delayed it. So whereas women used to have facelifts from their 40s, because that was the only option, you know, now with these temporary cosmetic injectables, we can age a bit softer. We lose the laxity in our skin and ligaments start to stretch and things begin to sag a little bit. Um, I noticed that when I went through menopause, like post-menopause, I think I aged in three months. I aged so rapidly. It was quite incredible. Really? Like my eyelids started to droop a little. My skin changed. My hair changed. It got thinner. And it happened so fast. I was not quite prepared for it even going through. And I went through menopause for 10 years. And it was probably the last two years. Um... That, that, yeah, it was just so quick. Really? Well, that's bizarre because my husband this morning called me Kojak because he said my hair was receding. <laughs> yeah. Seriously? And I, no, and I hadn't even noticed it. And now I'm just like, yeah. oh my goodness. I have long <laughs> hair that I had, to, I had to cut my hair off because it got so thin, especially on this side because I sleep on you that sleep side. You sleep on that side. Um, I slept on that side to get away from it. Yes. I was, I <laughs> <see>. <laughs> 
because we can tell people come in and everybody's yeah. one face yeah. is more aged than the other and they always say well this side seems a little worse and I say is that the side you sleep yeah, yeah. yes yeah. so the answer is sleep sitting up and yeah <laughs> Looking around at the population of women over 40, what percentage would you estimate, just intuitively, have had Botox or fillers or something? I would say you would all be surprised. It would be a lot more than you think. There are still women who do not tell anyone. Mm. It, it used to be women didn't tell anyone full stop. Now they will discuss it with their best friends and they will ask their best friends where they have their treatments. So yes, we're still not we're still not shouting it from the rooftops, but the, a lot of people are having it. So we've gone from don't tell anybody yep. to just tell your closest to your friends. friends. Maybe think about telling your husband, <laughs> but not necessarily. Yeah, and maybe with the younger generation, tell everybody. Like younger people are way more. Yeah, they will open post it. it. They will Snapchat it. Open They'll... about everything. Yeah, I reckon there's a business opportunity for me hiring myself out to go and hold women's hands. Absolutely. While they have it done. And I think you could add a psychological yeah. layer of not judging themselves while you're yeah. there. Well, You're not perfect. done, but let yeah. me lead you in there. Yeah. <laughs> and tell you it's okay. Yeah. yeah. You're not a bad person. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're vain. It actually means you just want to feel a bit better about yourself. Hmm. Thanks, Jo. Yeah, that you're was welcome. great. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Yeah, awesome. So let's be honest, Botox and cosmetic injectables are not really what you readily associate with well-being and conversations about well-being, but this Loop podcast is designed to be about the female experience, the things that we're speaking about, the things that make us feel good, the things that make us feel conflicted, and all the conversations we're having with our close friends and inside our own heads about the decisions we make about how to feel good. So we've done two episodes now about Botox and it will be our last episode we promise to move on next episode but I didn't want to leave it without having a balancing view Joe from Hannah Aesthetics is incredible at what she does but we know that many of you will be wondering well what's the natural side of the equation what does somebody who is highly trained and spent their whole career enhancing people's health through natural means What's their take on Botox? So we invited someone really special along. Next, you'll hear from Carla Wren, who gives you her view, a naturopath's view, on the whole cosmetic injectables debate. A couple more minutes, and then we'll be wrapping this up. studied uh, to be a naturopath when I was 17 so I've been doing this for a long time mm. uh, and so over time I saw that people were getting sicker and sicker and sicker and the cases we were getting in clinic were more and more complex so what we normally got caught to do, taught to do in college didn't really apply anymore and we had to start using um, like more bigger picture thinking about trying to understand the causes and drivers of chronic disease rather than think about the names and the diagnoses um, so I went to the US and studied functional medicine and just 
you know, absorbed everything I could and got really interested in working with patients who have complex uh, and chronic diseases. And then also I do a lot of integrative oncology, which really is that combination of, um, you know, naturopathy and thinking about how we can support people through their standard oncology treatments. Where does this fall for natural practitioners? When you think about other people having anti-wrinkle injections or even think about it for yourself, what's your gut reaction? Uh, my gut reaction is think. And that doesn't mean think negatively or positively. I actually think do you. That's my essential summary on this is do you. And it goes two ways. You know, As a naturopath, one of the things we do really well is um, think I think more deeply and ask our patients to think more deeply about the things they do to their body. And so some people might not be a candidate and they might think that. Some people might feel so down and not quite right about what's going on for them physically, that that's having an impact on their physical health um, and their emotional health. And I think do you and do it. So I think it has to be look at you and where you're at and why you want to do it and get some advice from people around what is most appropriate for you rather than just thinking I want to do this for XYZ without thinking about the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And do you advocate doing you without guilt? Because oh, there's a tough one. hundred percent. Like if you're going to commit to it, just commit to it. I wouldn't say that I wouldn't do it. Um, at the moment, I don't think I need to do it. But, um, and that's because I've been blessed with skin from my mum. So not because I've done anything amazing. Although I do think drinking water and eating well and all those things help. But um, I, what would put me off at the moment is that I think we were talking about drivers of ill health. And I think there is some loose suggestion about potential for... Um, immune changes to happen within, with any kind of injectable. And for some people, that's not going to be suitable. And it's in the literature, you know, but obviously if you have those kind of complex and chronic autoimmune diseases, you would be speaking to someone before you went and had some kind of service like that anyway. But generally, I think whatever makes you happy, because we're only here for this, you know, short time. <laughs> and if those wrinkles are bothering you enough to do something about it, just bloody do something about it. But don't sit there and think, should I have done it now? Because then you just, now you're How much of this is Carla the naturopath talking and how much of this is Carla the woman with obviously friends who have it? I mean, it's so prevalent now. Maybe you can't separate. Maybe you can't, but I'm curious about... I've never said to a patient, don't do it. I do have one patient that I can think of who has an autoimmune disease um, who doesn't acknowledge that she does it, but we can tell by her beautiful and ever-changing complexion that she's doing a variety of injectables. And I do feel like that's having an impact on her health. Um, but even despite direct answering, I'm not getting the response because I think she's ashamed or doesn't want to admit to it because she mm-hmm. thinks I'm going to think something. And working in any industry where you listen to people's stories for as long as I have, you hear just about anything. And I just don't judge anything anymore. you just got to do you. So I guess, no, if someone asked, if a girlfriend said to me, what shall I do? I'm just going to go do it. You know, why do you want to do it? And have that chat and do what makes you happy. It's interesting, like you mentioned before, on the intake form, they forget to mention that they're on the pill or maybe they forget to mention that they're on antidepressants. And I wonder, too, um, well, obviously a lot of women don't want to share that they're doing injectables, but I wonder how many women, before they have it done, actually do research on it, on what's in it, on maybe long-term effects or if they have autoimmune issues 
I reckon maybe no one. I reckon point one percent actually reads any of the scientific. Yeah, but data. is there maybe this comes down to um, the lack of clarity with some of these products? That where do they get that? Say we wanted to know now mm. who the contraindications were. What were the contraindications? Will we know where to find it? And we might not. And so maybe mm. those people aren't thinking about that. And, so, and sometimes that's a funny thing. It's the same with the pill. Just, it's just part of their everyday. They might just have this diagnosis that might not affect them very much. But um, when you look, you can see some clear things that say, do not do this if you mm. have. And so those people perhaps just need to be, you know, checking the box mm. and saying, well, it might not be an issue for me or it might be, but no one wants their chronic health issue to get worse while their face gets better. The giant scary question to ask as somebody who owns a business where anti-wrinkle injectables are being offered, mm. but which must be asked or else we're just avoiding the big question is, as a health professional, do you use, what are the negatives for Botox and do you see them as being enough to warrant yourself steering away from it? Uh, the negatives, when I read the literature, because I did my due diligence, in the past I had been at a conference that was talking about environmental health and it was mentioned at that conference that um, having Botox might induce um, or activate autoimmune disease in some people. That's because um, Botox uh, comes from a botulinum bacteria. For some people that still might promote, provoke an immune response. I would say it's like having a loaded gun and the Botox pulls the trigger. The gun was already there. Mm. So if you're a person with an autoimmune disease and it's uh, dormant, active, um, it uh, might be that trigger puller. Um, but for the rest of the people, it's not going to do anything, anything negative. Uh, and so I think that's why you just need to do your due diligence to understand it. Um, it was talking about conditions. When I did my research, it's talking about conditions like MS. Um, and um, some of the neurological underfunctionings like MND and big conditions, people are going to mm. know if they have yeah. those and they might not be the people thinking about having an injectable anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, what about like a Hashimoto's level? Yeah. So yeah. Hashimoto's did have some research on it, um, but again, I think it comes down to where your Hashimoto's are and what's happening and, and certainly you can find some information on that. Lots of things affect Hashimoto's. So eating gluten affects Hashimoto's. It would be the number one thing I would say to people to change. So, you know, there's probably... A lot of other things in their lifestyle that they're doing that could also improve um, the other thing that I saw when I was doing my research is there's a hell of a lot of good medical journal articles on the positives of Botox used in therapeutic ways so you can't discount it altogether because those people are getting huge improvements mm. um, in other ways it's just obviously being injected into a different site so no I'm like do what makes you happy and go for it but if you have one of those relatively rare um, in the market that may be looking at Botox, I would say it'd be relatively rare, then um, just do your due diligence. Can we just talk for a minute, because I don't want this to be seen as a plug for having anti-wrinkle injections, mm. what we said to you about this interview and what Nothing. we told you we were going to talk about. Nothing. I mean, we told you it was about Botox, but what did we brief you about uh no nothing nothing um we were we, i got the call about like um i think you said something about um let's talk about from hippies to the kardashians and i was like oh where do i sit there? <laughs> so really like handbags <laughs> yeah where are you on the hippie to kardashian scale uh i think i'm somewhere in the middle because um look i've got the butt of a kardashian but <laughs> uh, is that going to be a snippet now yeah, and a kardashian but, um <laughs> 
No, I feel like... Um, I think we should do that. I think we should have a profile picture of each person, Carla Red, and the butt of a Kardashian. That's a hot commodity oh, these days. Um, so, yes, no, I think I didn't come to natural medicine because I grew up in some hippie convent or something like that. Although if you did great, there are practitioners like that. Um, my dad was sick and he went to see someone and uh, I wanted to be in like a caring healthcare profession. And he took me along to the college and I signed up and it just kind of happened that way, fate, whatever you want to call it. So I think I'm somewhere in the middle. And that's why I think, you know, do what makes you happy because, you know. Would we get a different answer from a different practitioner somewhere else on the scale? Yes, if you surveyed, uh, even if you surveyed the eight practitioners down at the dispensary, I think you might. And that comes from um, their experience and what they prioritise and maybe that's it, it's such an individual choice. Um, if you see me with the beautifully flat forehead in a few years' time, you know which way I decided to decided to go. But um, yeah, I think it comes from where their frame of reference is, and definitely there would be some that wouldn't do it. But they're the ones that are buying 100% organic and have fear of lots of things. Mm. Fascinating. So interesting. Yeah, we're all somewhere on that scale, and I don't think you can even. You know, it's almost like there's all little micro scales in there. Like, where do you stand on organic food? One to ten. Where do you stand on uh, taking a Nurofen for a headache? One to ten. Where, what would be your first course of action if you had a sore back? One to ten. You know, would you be, you know, natural therapies or straight to the GP? Like, do you know what's really interesting about that too? I think is it depend. It can change too with children. You know, I, I would say you know the the mum with the young baby, they've all of a sudden hundred percent organic food. They're not going to give their child Nurofen. You know, and it really brings out that that side but I think then as your parent excuse me for longer you start to change your ideas and smell say, if, funny. Your, if your third child is eating dirt it's about to meal. say yeah. first child is all organic third child oh. is oh it's licking the carpet well that's dinner yeah. yes. Yes. <laughs> my first didn't eat meat till he was two didn't have sugar until he yeah. was two sick all the time the second one shoved out in the back room we forgot about it <laughs> Barely ever anything wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. At the, at the conference where I heard about the um, autoimmune link uh, is a really famous immunologist who has a really big interest in natural therapies and he shows this picture of his grandchildren and he has these giant big dogs. He's from Israel, so giant big dogs and he's got his grandchildren and they're in veggie patches and the dog is like eating dirt and the child is like eating the dirt out of the dog's mouth. <laughs> he's and he's dog. like, this yeah. is what every child needs to be doing because that's how yes. our immune system started yeah and if we don't do that then we have problems yes. with all sorts of other things that we should have normally come into contact with that we haven't because we've been so clean well look at what's happening this year yeah everyone's sick mm. i had gastro yeah oh, yes. because last year we we're all madly washing our hands and wearing masks and now we're all out there and spreading yeah. all yeah. the germs yeah. gastro chicken pox and um cold all going around at yeah. The yeah 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 excellent Carla wealth of knowledge you're Thanks, going to be back Carla. on other topics whether you like it or not so many topics so many topics we need to do a menopause topic on think. absolutely yeah so many yeah I almost think we need to get Carla and Jane in here talking about that together and we just step aside. Yes, that's a good idea. Just step aside, you two giggling <laughs> nincompoops, and let the real experts have it. Just shut up, Kel. Shut up! <laughs> shut up with your long, multi-pronged questions. <laughs> I know, when that, that, yeah, there were four questions in that sentence. I was like... Good luck. Just give everyone a pen and paper. I'm doing that because I know I'm going to forget it. Hello, perimenopause.
And then we're going to have background music over that last little bit so yes. that it's just us fading out. Carla, that was amazing. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah it's good.